news update. In NFL news, Oakland Raiders star receiver Antonio Brown's mysterious foot injury is the result of extreme frostbite caused by a cryotherapy machine. Brown was not wearing appropriate footwear when he entered the cryotherapy chamber last month in France and burned his feet, leaving them frostbitten. A source told ESPN's Adam Schefter this past weekend that the injury is not believed to be long-term. Suspended New England Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon has officially filed for reinstatement, a source confirmed Wednesday. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has sole discretion on Gordon's status and the timing in which a decision is ultimately made. Any decision would be based on whether Gordon has adhered to whatever treatment plan he's in. And the NCAA has outlined new criteria for agents looking to represent future NBA players. A bachelor's degree, NBPA certification for at least three consecutive years, professional liability insurance, and competition of in-person exam taken at the NCAA office in Indianapolis in early November. I'm Chris Bavona, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome you inside Studio 34. This is the BFFs here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. He is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's happening, bud? Happy hump day to you, Greg. Uh, it's been a very eventful day thus far. Very, very stressful day, but no negativity. We're not bringing that onto the show, Greg. This is supposed to be the best part of our day, and I'm happy to spend it with you and EY. How are you doing? I'm thrilled to get to this part of the day, Frank, which is always my favorite. Yes. How are you? How'd you sleep last night? Uh, not great. I haven't been asking you about your sleep sleep you haven't. recently. How's, how's it been? I didn't sleep well last night. Sorry about that. So we had a, a mountain of laundry to do, and we didn't really have time to do it, so we didn't start the laundry until like 10 o'clock last night. Oh, that's brutal. So we haven't even put it away yet. It's just sitting in my living room. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Like, yeah. we'll wash it, dry it, then just like throw it on the couch, right. fold it tomorrow. That's where it is right now. It sucks. So I got to do that at some point. What's your normal laundry day? Sunday. Sunday, yeah. I feel like that's for everybody, right? Yeah, it's, it's usually Sunday, but... In all honesty, we had so much laundry that I couldn't like do it myself Sunday. So we, I was like, right, Judy, we'll just do it together. But then like Monday, she wasn't around. Tuesday, I'm sorry, Sunday, she wasn't around. Monday, she wasn't around. And then it was Tuesday. And like she got home later from work that she wanted. Your boy cooked dinner for her. Your boy. Yeah. What are you out here cooking nowadays, Greg? Uh, last night, we, I, uh, I cooked Greek oh, turkey. It's not any like grilled kale or anything. Greek like that. turkey burgers. Greek turkey. So what would constitute a turkey burger being Greek Rather than American. So I, uh, I used uh, ground turkey, of course. Sure. I used, what, I, what I have in there? I had like oregano. I had some garlic and egg, red crumbs, red pepper. But what, the, thing, what the, the real difference was, what we did, was I made like six small thin patties. And then on three of the patties, I just put a whole handful of feta cheese. And then put the other patty on top and just made one big patty, but there's feta stuffed in the middle of it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So when I had that working, then I made a, uh, with some yogurt, 
um, with some dill and some other stuff, mix it all together, put it on top, and that was like the sauce for it. And Look at this guy, yeah. man. You've been watching the Food Network or something? Uh, I'm trying, yeah. That's, that's quite adventurous. It's pretty cool, right? I, I usually I try to... You, I can send you the recipe. I, I limit myself to like Kraft Mac and Cheese. I can send you the recipe. It was very easy. <laughs> it's probably uh, the I was extent very confident of my, uh, my abilities to do it. I cooked, I cooked breakfast over the weekend. And that's they also, honestly the extent. For dessert, I also cut up some watermelon. Uh, love watermelon. Put some feta on top of my watermelon and feta. You you really like cheese. I don't really. You I, love I do love. We, we both love cheese, aren't yeah. I? But like watermelon feta salad is like a thing. Yeah, you guys are like cheese snobs, but not like in definitely. a bad way. Yeah, we love cheese. Yeah, you definitely are. I had a good cheese. This guy in my walks salad in. He's got fresh mutts all over the place. I had some put salad feta in. all over his watermelon and his burgers. All the power to you. Thanks, bud. Ewan, what'd you think of my dinner? It's very well done. Very well done. I uh, have a similar recipe myself. Nice. Uh, um, a, a Greek turkey burger where I do uh, feta and spinach. Actually, if you put the feta, like, you know, the stuff it, you'd like mix it in with the ground beef. It sure. keeps all of the beef really moist. So mm. that's just a heads up for you. I appreciate that. That's an expert talking. This won't surprise either of you. I've never had feta cheese in my life. Really? I've never had it. I mean, I've had plenty of opportunities, obviously. Why? I, I don't think you like, wouldn't like it. I feel like I have a preconceived notion that it's not good. I think a lot of people have just told me that, so I think i got to try it out myself and, and find out. Is it fair out. to say that pre- preconceived notions are usually wrong? <laughs> probably, that's, yeah. That's fair to say. <laughs> I mean, for fair. most people, I think, yeah, most people, preconceived notions just means you're wrong. So how would you describe feta cheese, Greg? Uh, Great start to to today's show, by the way. How would you describe feta cheese? It's like uh, tangy and kind of bitter. I think that's right. Tangy and kind of bitter. All right. I mean, I don't really like bitter stuff, but I got to give it a shot. Got to find out myself, Greg. Got to have the right stuff. Got to have the right stuff. You can't just go and eat a piece of feta cheese. That's not what it's for. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't seem like the best idea. Let's just uh, throw a bunch of feta cheese in my mouth. Feta and watermelon, though. That's that's an interesting combo, Greg. It's is that, a, is that bitter popular? and sweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timeless. Yes. Bitter and sweet. Okay. It's very it's very very popular. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the sweet and savory combos. You know that. You, I think you chocolate really, covered pretzels. Huge fan. You of love watermelon. Pretzels. I do love watermelon. So I think you should try it. Yeah, I love all. Like, pretty much any chocolate covered fruit is very good. I've, Strawberries. Yeah. Classic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You ever tried chocolate-covered bananas? I don't really like chocolate. Oh, God, I forgot. Yeah. I mean, we're just total opposites today. I know. Well, I mean, this year, really. This whole fantasy football season. This right? whole fantasy football season. And also, I a whiteboard series earlier today. I say, Greg, which, uh, which team do you like? Go back, go back. This one. Well, I like the other one. Every <laughs> whiteboard, every day he tapes a whiteboard series video. It's true. He has two teams saying, hey, Greg, which one do you like better? And I always choose the one he doesn't, which is crazy. Now the uh, like the thing is, you want to make the teams kind of even. Like you're, you're, it's all from the same pick. Yeah, I want them both to be good. So they're all going to yeah. be pretty good. So I think it does say something when I always like one team better, than you like the other team better. That means probably they're both pretty good. Yeah, um, I appeal to different audiences. Yeah, which is great. That's that's the goal. It's crazy right? that our, our big difference actually revolves around a jet, which is so weird. <laughs> it's like I repeatedly have Robbie Anderson higher than you do, always. And I just find that so interesting. Yeah, it's, maybe I'm just a sour puss when it comes to the Jets. I don't it's, know. It's Adam Gase, what you hate. I hate him. Wasn't it two years ago when Robbie Anderson went off that you were the big Robbie Anderson guy? I did like Robbie Anderson then. Yeah, I just... Look, and he was I, awesome. And I, and I couldn't get on board. He was awesome down the stretch last year. There's no doubt about it. I just worry about the competition for targets. I think Le'Veon Bell's going to get a bunch. I think Jameson Crowder's going to be in the mix. Quincy and Unwin now hurt. Surprise, surprise. The guy's always hurt. So, we'll pay attention to that, but... I mean, I think there's a little bit more competition this year for targets uh, than in years past. So we'll see what happens and just have a little bit of skepticism when it comes to the Jets overall. 
Not understandably but we'll so. We'll see. On today's program, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of debating as we do day one of our running back breakdown, our running backs conversation. We got through like three quarterbacks in an hour yesterday, so uh, I can only imagine uh, what we'll get to with the running backs. The good let's, news let's is. Let's try to be efficient here, I guess. The good news is. You want to hear all about these? Just talk about feta cheese for fifteen minutes. Who exactly. knows what's going to happen? That's right. Uh, the good news is we did a whole first round breakdown last week, and that included like seven to ten running backs. So we're going to basically skip those guys and get into the the meat of it. Sure, we had a lot of fun. It's a BFF. Best part of the day. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. We are back here with you. It's the BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Eric Young, Frank Stample, and Greg Sussman. As I said, it's a running back breakdown. But I'm going to really skip around here because I don't want to do what we've already done. And last week, we talked about the first round. All three of us, very in a very in-depth conversation, we already talked and compared Saquon and Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott. And not much has changed, if anything, at least from my perspective, on those first four guys at all. So I'm going to move past them. When it comes to David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, I know EY feels a little bit differently about some of the other guys. I'm going to, get to, I am going to get to them. But like, I don't think that's really changed much at all. So let me really start at the guys that I have ranked eight and later. I believe you have ranked eight and later because you have Johnson, Bell, and Conner at five, six, and seven, right? Yes, okay. that is correct. So let me start at the guys that we have eight and later, because I know EY is a little bit different. We've referenced that when we went over the flex drafts on uh, Monday or so. So let me get into the running back eight, because at least the two of us, Frankie and I, have the same top seven. And that's when you get into the Todd Gurley, James, uh, I'm sorry, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and for EY, the Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones tier. Frank, who is your number eight running back? For a long time, it was Joe Mixon. It may still be Joe Mixon. But as you talked about in your whiteboard series today, the ADP for Joe Mixon is dropping. Yeah, the ADP for Joe Mixon is certainly dropping. He's actually dropped behind Dalvin Cook, in fact, now, with Dalvin Cook going around 15.7 ADP. And Joe Mixon, this is over the past week in the month of August, Joe Mixon sliding down to 16.9. I still have Joe Mixon as my RB8. Still have him part of that second tier at the bottom of that tier. But I understand why people are starting to get concerned over him. The fact that he's now lost two offensive linemen, not just one. Jonah Williams, who was their first-round pick, who they were very excited about. And Clint Bowling, who was you know, arguably their best offensive lineman, retired out of nowhere. So now they've lost two offensive linemen. And A.J. Green's status to start the season is up in the air. So there are concerns about... The offense overall for the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor is coming over as the head coach now. He's going to r- run a similar system to the Rams and Sean McVay. So we're hoping that Joe Mixon is used similarly to how Todd Gurley was used. But I don't think anyone really knows for sure. We're really just trying to project that based on the new coaching scheme. But there are concerns about the offense overall and the fact that the offensive line has been taking hits, Greg. I still have him as my RB8. 
but I get why he's falling down drafts a little bit. For me, he still remains above Dalvin Cook. He, I have Cook at my as my tenth ranked running back. I have Mixon at nine. For me, and we spoke about this when Mike Florio was here. I have Todd Gurley at eight, and I think Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon probably the two biggest wild cards uh, when it comes to the running back position. I guess Ezekiel Elliott, as we get closer and closer, certainly falls in that category as well. And it's chilling in Cabo right now, Greggy. But they're the biggest wild cards because we don't have any idea what to expect from them. Todd Gurley was the number one overall pick in fantasy, and he earned it. And then he got hurt and has not been the same. And his arthritic knee is continuing to act up. Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, we don't know if and when they will show up. But Gurley's upside is just so monstrous to finish truly as the number one player in all of fantasy that when I'm talking about guys I'm not sure of, I'm not confident in, he's going to be on top of that. That's ultimately why I have him at 8, Mixon at 9, and Dalvin Cook at 10. Now maybe I should move Cook ahead of Mixon because I do think... I do for whatever reason, feel more confident about Cook than Mixon, but I'm also worried about Cook getting hurt more than I am about Mixon getting hurt, which is why I'm, you know, having back-to-back here at 9 and 10. But I know, Eric, you don't have Mixon and Cook and Gurley necessarily in this range. You're much higher on Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones, as we spoke about earlier in the week. Where exactly do they fall uh, when we get to around running back 8 or so? Well, I've moved, actually moved Gurley up. I'm kind of... Uh putting my money where my mouth is um this is what i believe i believe that everyone is uh, in the media is out to get clicks and i said this before on the show you want people to read your articles you write out articles about todd Gurley's bad knee not jordan wilkins bad knee it's clickbait that's that's what i think if you believe that he's the only running back or player in the nfl with arthritis in his knee then, then you're sort of mistaken. I think that he was hurt last year. Yes, I think that his carries went down in the second half of the year, and especially near the the last four or five games. Yes, do I think it has something to do with his knee? Yes, has he had a whole off season to rehab that? Yes, has he had time to rest it and 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 make it better? Yes, he lost even more weight, which will make him quicker and less um, less abusive to his knee. Yes, again. And Todd Gurley is maybe, if not the best running back in one of the best offenses. So I've got him right now at uh, running back seven. So here's the thing, and here's my negative side of Todd Gurley. And I'm with you in everything you just said, EY. That's why he's my RB8. That's why he's ahead of all of these guys. Uh, because of all those attributes that you and Florio have consistently listed. But here's the also truth. That because of that arthritic knee, and I'm not saying that he's the only one that has that, they're not going to run him into the ground as we saw in the early part of last year. I don't think you get True. I don't think you get more games where he's at 23, 24 carries. That's not going to happen. They're going to be more cautious. They're not, not going to give him the ball. They're not, not going to play him. But I think you're going to see Daryl Henderson. I think you're going to see Malcolm Brown mixed in more than we did last year. And that's ultimately why I don't know that he's in my top four anymore. But that talent level has him above. Um, has him above some of these other guys. I think you're going to see 15 to 20 carries a game from Todd Gurley, not 20 to 25 carries a game from Todd Gurley. Frank, how do you opine on that? I understand why people still want to take Todd Gurley. Uh, the, the number one finishes at the running back position that we've seen in back-to-back years. Like, there are a lot of reasons to obviously still like him. I get it. But me, I'm really kind of just washing my hands of this situation. And if I'm wrong about it, if I miss out on Gurley, you know, bouncing back and having a monster season, you know, I'll admit it. I'll admit that I was wrong. And, you know, you can throw me up on uh, cold takes exposed, whatever it might be. Um, I'm not drafting him, Greg. I've really just come to that conclusion. It's totally off your board. 
I have him down at RB12. I have him behind Damian Williams, behind Nick Chubb, behind Dalvin Cook. I understand the risk that comes with pretty much any running back at this point, but the fact that we've already, we already have that built in with Todd Gurley. Like, we already know that there's a knee issue, and I understand you know, other players might have that under wraps and they've battled things in the past, but for the most part, a lot of these running backs that we've already talked about, they're in training camp. They're playing. Todd Gurley is not. So Are you saying Todd Gurley's not a running back? Todd Gurley's not a running back. I guess that's fair to say, right? And they've already come out and said that he's not going to play in preseason games and they're going to be really cautious with him in training camp. Just look at his usage, man. It's down to stretch. He didn't play week 16, week 17. Week 14, 11 carries. Week 15, 12 carries. Week 11, 12 carries. Week 9, 13 carries. This is not the Todd Gurley that we're used to, man. They're talking about using him 60 to 65% of the snaps. They moved up to draft Daryl Henderson in the third round. They're talking about using him in a Chris Thompson role. Sean McVay used to coach under Jay Gruden in the Washington offense, so he knows how to use a player like Chris Thompson. I think that there's a lot going against Todd Gurley right now. I understand how good the offense is. They lost Roger Saffold. The offensive line is not as good. I'm washing my hands of it, Greg. If I'm wrong, I'll 100% admit it. You want to draft him in the early second round? I understand the upside, but I think that inherently there's a lot of downside at that price as well. I'm not drafting him. I, I've pretty much come to that conclusion. Right, so we, obviously, once again, we are on different sides like of that conversation. in the third round, sure, but he's not Where, he's, not where he's going toward the early, middle, second round. You're not doing it. His ADP over the past week is still 17.6. Middle, of the middle second, second round. round. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to get him. You're not going to get him. No. You, you obviously, you will not do that. Now, that's Gurley, but you, you talked about Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook here a little bit. But going a little bit further on, that's when you get to the, the Nick Chubb and Damian Williams territory. I have had a hard time, and I'm still adjusting, as Eric said, we all are. Every, time, every day we do research, we're constantly updating our rankings, Frank and myself too. Now, I have Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb, and Damian Williams kind of together here at RV's 10, uh, 11 through 13. Eric, you talked to us on Monday about how you moved Nick Chubb up. And why don't you go into it a, a little bit further here? Where is Nick Chubb? Uh, on your in your rankings at the moment, and how high are you on him? He's my number six, and the reason for this is I believe the Cleveland offense is going to move the ball. Um, they're going; they want to run the ball. Their defense is going to be improved, and Nick Chubb for at least the first eight to nine games is going to be the guy. Look, they, they've proven that they don't trust Duke Johnson other than being a pass-catching back, and that's fine. Kareem Hunt's not going to play to week 10 or 11. They're going to ride Nick Chubb. And look at, like everyone's saying, oh, well, what about when Kareem Hunt comes back? Kareem Hunt isn't going to practice. He isn't going to be part of the team until week 11. If you believe that Kareem Hunt's going to come off the street and overtake Nick Chubb, you're crazy. Will Kareem Hunt get carries and, and stuff when, work when he gets back? Probably. But Nick Chubb for the first eight weeks... He's going to be super valuable, and if you can tell me what your team's going to look like eight weeks into the fantasy season, then I'll follow whatever you got to say. Nick Chubb versus Damian Williams. That's the conversation we're going to have when we come back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. The 2019-2020 NFL season is here, and you become the eighth person 
to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the Daily Roto DFS lineup optimizer. Become one of the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. If you are playing DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Head on over and check out their tools for NFL, MLB, PGA, NBA, NHL, and sports wagering, or get access to all of them using the Daily Roto Elite Package. The promo code is ACTION for a 10% discount. You'll get a lot of alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates, fantasy projections, and use of the same Daily Roto lineup optimizers. And have produced millions in DFS winnings. That's DailyRoto.com. The promo code is ACTION. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Now, Frank, Nick Chubb is inside Eric's top seven at running back. All throughout this summer, he's been extremely, extremely high on Chubb and Aaron Jones as well, who we're going to get to in a few moments. Nick Chubb, for me, checks in either number 11 or 12, depending on what I do about Melvin Gordon. I know that you around there is where you have Chubb as well. How do you have him compared to Damian Williams? So I have Nick Chubb as my RB. 10, and okay. I have Damian Williams as my RB11. It's kind of a cop-out. Here's what I'll say. I think it is format-dependent. If you play in a full-point PPR, I would go with Damian Williams. If you play in a standard or a non-PPR, I would go with Nick Chubb. And to break the tie, if I play in a half-PPR, I would also lean with Nick Chubb in that format as well. wouldn't surprise me if the first eight or nine weeks of the season, this guy is among the league leaders in rushing yards in rushing touchdowns. He's going to be part of a really explosive Cleveland Browns offense. We're all excited about Baker. We're all excited about Odell Beckham. There's going to be a lot of scoring opportunities. And Nick Chubb is going to finish off a lot of scoring drives this season. I still think Duke Johnson's going to be part of their game plan, especially in the first half of the year. He's going to catch, I would say, a decent amount of passes. Maybe he sees three to five targets per game, which obviously limits the upside of uh, Nick Chubb's pass game usage. When Kareem Hunt returns, nobody knows how he's going to be used. Is he going to be used? Yes. You've talked about this repeatedly, Greg, whenever we mention the situation. The Cleveland Browns would not have signed Kareem Hunt and taken that PR hit if they were not going to use him. They're going to use him. We just don't know in what capacity. It could be 5 to 7 touches per game. It could be 8 to 10. It could be 10 to 12. There's no doubt he's going to be used in the second half of the season. And at that point, Nick Chubb's probably a high-end RB2 for the second half. But the first half of the season, he's going to help you get out to an early start in your league. He's going to help you get to the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if the first half of the season, Nick Chubb is a top five or six running back while Kareem Hunt is not a part of the team, Greg. So, he was the you're right in everything you said with Nick Chubb and the Kareem Hunt and the PR hit, what I've been saying. But he was also right that I have no idea what my team's going to look like in week 11 when Kareem Hunt ultimately comes back. Like, it's going to be very, very different. And, I mean, that's why I wouldn't hold on to him either. Like, people who are drafting Kareem Hunt right now, Greg, I have no idea why. It's like, I understand the talent that he is. He's a former first-round pick for fantasy purposes. But you have to hold this guy for nine weeks before he contributes anything in fantasy. You're going to drop this guy within the first month of the it's season. It's funny, There's EY, no and I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in here in a second. But I remember when we had this argument or conversation when it comes to Julian Edelman and Mark Ingram last year when they were suspended for four games apiece. And we are just like... Oh, when do we draft them? They're going to be good. I don't know what to do. And, like, that's a huge pain in the ass. Even that was tough last year. That's what I'm year. saying. I mean, yes. you had to get through those first four weeks, and then I think they had an early bye they last did. year as well. The, the Saints had a week six bye. You got over one, one game, and they had a bye. 
really through the first six weeks to stay afloat, you had to be like three and three. Correct. And then Doug Martin the year before. It's really, really hard to draft Kareem Hunt and have a placeholder on your team for 10 weeks. It's simply not worth it, EY. No way. I mean, there's no way you can hold that guy that long unless you can put guys that are suspended in the in the IR slot or whatever. I mean, I don't know many leagues that even allow that. So, I mean, if you can't do that, there's no sense of drafting him. There's no way you're going to be able to hold on to him. And if you do hold on to him that whole time, the reality is you're probably not winning. So it's just silly. I mean, that's just a bad idea. Do not draft Kareem Hunt. So I'm glad we're talking about Kareem Hunt because it's a natural lead into Damian Williams, who who ultimately replaced Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. And we spoke when we spoke about Damian Williams initially during our Kansas City Chiefs preview. We were all relatively surprised with how good he was last year. Now he's been injured since the beginning of training camp. Today was his first practice since the first day of training camp. Carlos Hyde was still taking the first team reps, but. And I think Andy Reid lit a fire under his ass saying, get back out of here, you're going to lose your job. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for Kansas City, said, no, it's Damian Williams' job. Knowing the Andy Reid system, and all three of us agree that Andy Reid constantly produces uh, fantasy-relevant running backs, and not just fantasy-relevant, fantasy-golden running backs. Why is Damian Williams barely inside the RV1 conversation Given that he's in this system, Frank, he had major success down the stretch, and the guys behind him, Carlos Hyde, looked done last year, and a rookie we've really never seen, and maybe you could expect something out of him, but not like a first or second or third round guy, not somebody that the draft mitts are super high on, not even Daryl Henderson, something like that. Why are we not higher here on Damian Williams? I think the reason is you have to be realistic for yourself, Greg. And the range of outcomes this year for Damian Williams is very vast, right? When it comes to drafting anyone this early, you want someone who has a safe floor and that has high upside. We know that Damian Williams has high upside, obviously, as the workhorse running back in an Andy Reid offense in the best offense in football. We understand what the upside is. There's also immense downside because we've never seen him take on a full workload. He hasn't had that since his days in college. He's now 27 years old. He did that towards the end of last season, the final three regular season games, the first two playoff games as well. That's a five-game sample size where he played at least 52% of the snaps in each of those. He averaged 13.8 rushing attempts per game, 5.6 targets per game. So right around 20 running back opportunities per game. We saw that, but it is a small sample size. It's only five games. So the upside is massive for Damian Williams. There's also a big downside just because we have never seen him take on a full workload over the course of a 16-game season. So you have to be realistic for yourself, and that's why we see him go in the middle of the second round, maybe even the late or late second or early third round range because the upside is massive, Greg, but you also have to bake in the downside, the fact that we have not seen him do this before. And I understand that, but I think what we look for in running backs, and one of the reasons I have him inside my top 12, and I really like him, like, that's a guy that I, I have no problem with. Yeah, drafting, I have him at 10 too, like I don't mind him. Is because or 11 rather, when, I, 11. when I look at Kansas City, and we're looking, sorry, throughout the fantasy landscape, you're looking for a three down running back. And... As I mentioned, the guys behind Damian Williams don't exactly look like somebody that's going to steal third down. Like, Carlos Hyde's never caught passes like we expect Damian Williams to. Williams was the pass catcher in Miami. He's always had that ability. He now looks like the thumper. I know Carlos Hyde in his year with Kyle Shanahan caught passes, but other than that, he was never a pass catcher. Last year, in his half a year in Cleveland, it was Duke Johnson's job. When he got to Jacksonville, he didn't even have a job. And I understand that Kansas City can resurrect careers. That's fine. They resurrected Damian Williams' career. He's the guy. He's the every down back. I believe in this guy. Maybe I'm the idiot, but I trust Andy Reid, 
and I trust Damian Williams in fantasy football. Where do you have Williams ranked, Eric? Uh, right now, I have him at 14. Um, he's moving down because of the injury, because of not practicing. Um, Andy Reid being upset with him not being on the field and not practicing. Like, look, if he was 100% healthy, I have him really high. I, I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. You know, several weeks ago, when before all this, uh, the hamstring stuff came out. So obviously, he's proven that he can do it. But like Frank said, you got to break in the fact that he's never ever played a full workload, not in college, not in the pros. Ever once has that happened? And you also got to bake into the fact that Carlos Hyde has looked good, and Carlos Hyde gets no respect, and I understand, but he's there. He's a guy Definitely. that uh, can can be trusted. That will probably run on the goal line. Um, he, he's proven in the past that he's good at that. Look, he's not a pass catcher. He caught a bunch of passes when he played in San Francisco, but it was some crazy number. He, he caught 55 p- passes, but was targeted like 108 times. That's a terrible, like they're lobbing you the ball. You're a professional football player. You should be catching a much higher percentage of your passes than that. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's a really bad percentage of catches, um, especially for a running back. So he's not going to be a pass catcher. Um, Thompson's a guy that I think could be a pass catcher. He's electric in the open field. So that could cut into Damian Williams' work. And it could be a three-headed committee. Andy Reid, you know, he he's, I'd said before, he's the fantasy Buddha, but he's not afraid of using several players. Think about when he was in Philadelphia with Darren Sproles and, and several other running backs at the same time. So this could be a three-headed thing. And uh, Damian Williams could be a guy that they protect and they don't want to have him carry the ball more than 10 or 12 times. Just piggybacking off what EY just said regarding Damian Williams and uh, the Chiefs potentially using all these guys, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Damian Williams is, you know, in the 15 to 18 touch range. And, you know, that would leave anywhere from 10 to 12 touches to go around for the rest of these guys. And, and that would be fine. I mean, if you get 15 to 18 touches for a running back in this Kansas City Chiefs offense, that is going to pay off second round value. He just needs to stay healthy. He's got to get back on the field. Obviously, he's dealing with this hamstring injury. And if anything were to happen to Damian Williams, Greg, I think that we get a full-blown committee. We probably get like Carlos Hyde on early downs and then Darwin Thompson as the pass catcher or something like that. And it would probably be a headache, albeit, you know, in a really, really good Chiefs offense. The best offense. Probably so. Now, one running back, Eric, that I know you have ahead of Damian Williams that has his own question marks is Aaron Jones. He's going to be the guy, I believe, this year with, with Green Bay. But Jamal Williams still exists. You had Nick Chubb, as you said, at number six. You moved Todd Gurley up to number seven. Where does Aaron Jones fall for you? Uh, right now, he is uh, running back nine. So um, he has slid down a little bit for me uh, because of his injury as well, the hamstring. Um, the fact that, that they're saying that Jamal Williams has, has looked pretty decent in camp. And, 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 and like you said, he's there. And, and the coaching staff, uh, it is a different staff. So, I mean, there's no way to guess what the workload will be. Aaron Jones, I think, proved that he he is a superstar running back. He is super dangerous, especially when he gets the ball in place and he's catching it out of the backfield. Um, so I still think he's going, he should go in your top 12. And if you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, a healthy Aaron Rodgers is only going to increase his ability to run and especially run between the tackles because now Aaron Rodgers is going to have two legs rather than one. So Aaron, Aaron Jones is a guy I like. I don't know if I like him as much as I did a few weeks ago, but he's still going in my top 12. Aaron Jones is not inside my top 12. He's not inside your top 12. Correct. We'll talk about where Aaron Jones falls and the crew that he's with on the other side. Stick around. More BFFs on the way. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. So before we hit the break, EY was talking about how Aaron Jones is in his top 12 and you're making a mistake if he's not in yours. And yet Frank and I both don't have Aaron Jones inside our top 12. Where's Aaron Jones for you, sir? I've met RB14. He is the second running back in my tier four, which are basically the round three running backs. So he is my RB16 at the moment, but again, I still have Melvin Gordon above him. So I don't really, again, I don't know what to do about that. Um, so it's well. You have to be honest with yourself, Greg. I mean, the way that I rank point. the players today is if I were drafting today, where would I feel comfortable taking Melvin Gordon? And that's why I have him at RB nineteen, which would that's be a good point. the back end of the third round. Like, if you're on the clock today, would you realistically take Melvin Gordon over Aaron Jones? The answer is probably not. No. So I'm gonna probably put him here. Then I will have. So if I if, if I'm doing it that way, and you're right, Frankie, that's the way I should do it. He'll be my RB seventeen. Is what he would be. Fair. That's that's Melvin Gordon. That's Melvin and Gordon. And Aaron Jones moves up. Aaron oh. Jones would now be RB15 for me. And I have him at 14. Okay, so very similar. Another guy who, you know, we'd love to see him back at practice. I mean, he's dealing with a hamstring injury himself right now. And I can tell as you, is I, Jamal I, Williams. And I can tell you the one guy, the reason that we don't have it similar. Because I know at 13, we both have on Johnson. I, my guess would be Devontae Freeman. Correct. Yes. And then Freeman's in front. You're and, the Freeman guy. I've actually yeah. moved Freeman up a little bit as well. So... That's the difference. on Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones, uh, those three guys, along with Marlon Mack, are a tier for me. That is my 13 through 16. We've talked about this crew of guys before, but the reason that I have it breaking right now the way I do is because when I look for Detroit, I look, again, I'm looking for a three-down back, and I think that's what on Johnson is going to become. Daryl Bevel, their offensive coordinator, and I read this in Scott Barrett's uh, fantastic PFF article today. That was ridiculous. I'm only halfway through it, man. If you're on Twitter, or, I mean, even if you're not, just go check out Pro Football Focus. I mean, it's unbelievable. But if you're following Scott Barrett on Twitter, he tweeted this out earlier, it's like 96 stats you need to know. But it's like triple that amount. For the fantasy football season. It's, it's incredible. It really is. So the stat I'm going to read you uh, comes from Scott Barrett. And in Daryl Bevel's last 11 seasons in the NFL, his teams have ranked top five in run percentage six times. Top 12, eight times. Daryl Bevel comes from the Seattle system, or then the Minnesota system before that, and he wants to run the football. The running backs now in Detroit are two. It's Kerry, I'm not worrying about Zach Zenner. It's on Johnson, and it's C.J. Anderson. And that's it. And on Johnson, an early draft pick uh, by this regime, is going to get the ball because he's a major playmaker on this offense. They traded away Golden Tate to open up more opportunities uh, close to the line of scrimmage for a guy like on Johnson. They cut Theo Riddick to make more of an opportunity for on Johnson. Last season, Johnson averaged 5.43 yards per carry. All the other running backs in Detroit, again, this is all from Scott Barrett, 3.42 yards per carry. He averaged around 12 carries per game last year. All the other guys averaged even more than that. on Johnson's stock is just going way up. I know that everyone wants a part of on Johnson's breakout, but again, when we're trying to pick nits here a little bit, 
I believe Carrion Johnson is more of a lock for that three-down role than some of these other guys, including Aaron Jones. And that's the reason I have Devontae Freeman ahead of Aaron Jones as well, because I also think he's more of a three-down back. I trust Jamal Williams to take a, a few more shares of the workload from Aaron Jones than I do with Ito Smith to Devontae Freeman. That's why I have it Carrion Johnson, Devontae Freeman, and then Aaron Jones. Yeah, I have Carrion Johnson at the top of this tier as well. I expect the offensive line to bounce back. Last year, I was excited about this offensive line and a lot of them got hurt. Greg, you mentioned the stats when it comes to Daryl Bevel. I mean, it's established to run or die trying. I mean, that's what the Detroit Lions mantra is going to be this upcoming season. You know, even if their defense is questionable, I think that they're going to try and keep opposing offenses off the field by trying to run the ball and control the ball and run out the clock a little bit. And a lot of that, I think, will be done with on Johnson. Uh, last year... He played over 50% of the snaps in just five games. All, all of those came from Week 7 to 11. So it took some time last year for them to realize that Carrion Johnson was as special of a talent as he obviously is. Uh, and during that stretch, he was the RB17. The one thing that you have to worry about, Greg, is he only saw two goal line carries last year. LeGarrette Blunt is no longer on the team. They signed C.J. Anderson, who is a, we'll use the word, bulkier running back here. Uh, but, you know, he has had success on the goal line before we saw that last year with the Los Angeles Rams. So that's the one downside to carry on Johnson is I hope that they use him more in the red zone. I think that they should. He's still incredibly efficient. He's he's a freak. I mean, you watch this guy run. I mean, he tries to bulldoze people, and he probably shouldn't. But, I mean, his efficiency last year was incredible. And uh, especially, in the, I think, in the past game, Greg, with Theo Riddick gone, he leaves behind 74 targets, 61 receptions. A lot of those are going to go carry on Johnson's way. I'm just really, really hoping that they use him more in the red zone, specifically on the goal line here. If you go wide receiver, wide receiver to start off your draft, are you comfortable with Carrion Johnson as your RB1? Not really. But he is your, what, 13? He's my, he's he's my right RB13. He, ideally, I'd rather have him as an RB2. That's what it comes down to. Like, yeah, if you get two amazing wide receivers, I get it. You could probably make it work. But ideally, I would want it as my RB2, Greg. Eric, where do you have Carrion Johnson in your rankings? You ready? Yes, sir. Number eight. All right, there he is, right there. Okay, Number top eight. ten. <clears throat> yeah, I, I've got a real. It's it, it's a gut feel, but like uh, like I said, I'm definitely going to read the pro fantasy or uh, football focus article that you guys were just talking about. It's unbelievable. Um, the Michael Salfino one from the Athletic that I was talking about yesterday. Um, uh, he passes the eye test. Uh, y- y- you know. The fact that Leo uh, Theo Riddick is gone, C.J. Anderson is probably going to get some goal line work for sure. That's what I would do. Um, uh, Carryon Johnson is not the biggest human being, but he runs mean, and I love it. I love watching this guy carry the ball. I love watching him carry the uh, catch the ball. I want him on every team possible. I ended up getting him, uh, I think, in the third or fourth round in the flex flex drafts uh and couldn't have been happier about it pissed off a lot of people so i'm happy with that love, love to hear that um but as i said Devonte freeman for me is in between uh aaron jones and carry johnson i kind of gave my reasons there then let me get to to marlon mack who's right after these guys now what makes marlon mack so frustrating is unlike Devonte freeman uh, and carry johnson he's not gonna catch any passes it's not what he does naheem hines has that role but as we get to this section of running backs, which are pretty one-dimensional guys, I would say, Marlon Mack's probably the best of them, right? Uh, in terms of being a one-dimensional running back, Greg, as you mentioned, uh, you know, if you play in a non-PPR league, standard format, 
where the t- touchdowns matter a lot more. I wouldn't mind pulling Marlon Mack up the board. I have him as my RB15, so just behind Carryon Johnson and Aaron Jones, one spot ahead of Devontae Freeman. You mentioned it, Greg. Probably not going to catch a, p- a ton of passes, but he's pretty much the inverse of Theo Riddick, right? Like, we expect Theo Riddick to get a lot of three-down work and to obviously be a huge part of the pass game out there in Detroit, but we do have concerns about goal line usage and red zone work. We don't have those concerns when it comes to Marlon Mack. He was top 11 in carries inside the 20, the 10, and the 5 last year, despite only playing 12 games. Plays for a really good offense. Hopefully, we see Andrew Luck back on the field. That is a factor that you have to take into consideration right now because Marlon Mack running behind an offensive line with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback is a lot different than with Andrew Luck as the quarterback. So keep that in mind. But in terms of someone that could just carry the ball a ton and give you a ton of rushing yards and score touchdowns, Greg, he is in that mix with players of that mold like the Derrick Henrys of the world. But he plays on the best offense of those guys. So I don't really have a problem with him going in this mid-third round range. If you play in PPR, you do have to take into consideration he's probably not going to catch more than, let's say, 40 passes this year. Eric, for you, where is Moreland Mack? I got him at 17, and that's just completely linked to the Andrew Luck stuff. I mean, I, I don't trust that he's healthy. He hasn't shown me anything that he is healthy. He hasn't practiced. Um, and if Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback there, that's going to affect Marlon Mack. They're going to stack the box. He doesn't catch passes. Completely one-dimensional. I, I, I like Marlon Mack. I think he's a good running back, and I think in, definitely in a standard league where you're, um, you know, you're you're basically just looking for touchdowns, and and, and the, that's such a high reward kind of thing that Marlon Mack would move up. But I mean, I, I'm doing my ranks for half point PPR, which is more standard this this time of year, and and. Uh, in most leagues, our, our half-point PPR, our full-point PPR, Marlon Mack is sliding. If Andrew Luck's going to play, then I, I move him up. But where we sit right now, because of the Andrew Luck news and what I believe is going on, he's down. Fair enough with the Andrew Luck injury. But if he does get healthy, that offensive line is arguably the best in the NFL. Give me the running back in that best in the NFL offense. That's the end of that tier for me. Let me start off the next tier before we wrap up today's running back conversation. That's when I begin with Melvin Gordon. That's where I'm taking him. As I mentioned, he's my number 17 running back now. That's where I feel comfortable. The other guys I have directly behind him, and we'll get into them, are a lot of players that we've mentioned. Derrick Henry, you talked about earlier, briefly. Josh Jacobs, I know you're very high on, Frank. Leonard Fournette, someone you're not very high on, but this is probably the spot where he goes in. Mark Ingram as well. Running backs that aren't dissimilar, in all honesty, to Marlon Mack. They are guys that just pound the rock. But none of their teams are as good, theoretically, as the Indianapolis Colts. Outside of Melvin Gordon, who has his own issues. What do you think of, do I have those guys, maybe not the right order for you, but that kind of tier right? I don't think it's all that crazy. I have uh, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry one tier lower, just because I like to rank them based on round that I think that they're going to go in, or round that I feel comfortable taking them in. So again, like I mentioned... This tier is all, you know, running backs I wouldn't mind taking in the third round. And it's, for me, it starts at RB13. It's Carrion Johnson, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman, Josh Jacobs, Leonard Fournette, and Melvin Gordon. So it's really not that dissimilar. Just, uh, that's the top of my next tier. Yeah, and, and then for the next tier that I have, which is round four running backs, I have Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry at the top of that team. Which, same order, basically. Yeah, so it's really whatever. not yeah. that dissimilar. A lot of these players are going to go... Uh, around this range, you have to split hairs and figure out which one you like most. You know, a lot of people are still on 
Leonard Fournette this year, and we're getting a lot of positive reports out of training camp, as we do every year when it comes to Leonard Fournette. But the injury issues uh, have not gone away. I mean, these are still things that have been chronic issues for Fournette in the past. The foot, the ankle, he's dealt with hamstring injuries as well. Uh, We still have concerns overall about the Jaguars' offense. At least I do. They'll be better with Nick Foles. I still don't think that they're going to be you know, some amazing offense now with John Filippo there as the offensive coordinator. Uh, but overall, I think that there is still a lot of risk with Leonard Fournette. So that's why I have him a little bit lower than some of these other names. Devontae Freeman, you talk about in this range, Greg, and I'm starting to warm up to him a little bit more. I know you like Freeman a lot. He is a third-round running back that can return first-round value. Correct. I mean, you can't talk about injury risk with Fournette without mentioning it with Devontae Freeman. I understand that. But the offense is better. I don't really see how you can argue that. The Falcons' offense is better than the Jaguars. The Falcons' offense performs better in dome games than outdoors. They have 13 dome games this year. And again, Freeman is the unquestioned RB1 for the Atlanta Falcons. We have no question marks about his usage in the red zone, on the goal line. They're probably going to throw passes to him as well. Backing him up right now is Ito Smith, Quadri Allison, uh, Brian Hill, who we saw kind of pop off a little bit in the Hall of Fame game, but... Really no one that you're worried about. Devontae Freeman is the unquestioned RB1 in a really, really good Atlanta Falcons offense, Greg. Absolutely. Devontae Freeman, my guy, Devontae Freeman, uh, for the uh, Atlanta Falcons in an offense that should be really, really good. How do you feel about Devontae Freeman this year, Eli? Yeah, I like Freeman. The fact that Tevin Coleman's gone, I mean, I feel like that was always, like for me, the biggest strike against Freeman was the fact that that they would use Coleman a lot. They would use him in the run game. They'd use him in the pass game, and that would cut in to Freeman's usage. This year, I believe he is the unquestioned number one there. He's going to get a ton of work, um, I believe, in the Atlanta offense. Uh, and he's he's both a great running back and a great pass catcher. So so this is a guy that I'm pretty high on. I got him, uh, let's see, 21st overall, just behind James Conner. My man, James Conner, you also have a little bit lower than you probably should. All right. Uh, on tomorrow's show, I want to get really into Tevin Coleman. I really want to get into Philip Lindsay uh, as well. When we come back, we wrap up the conversation in regards to Leonard Fournette. Frankie will opine a bit here on Josh Jacobs, and we'll wrap up today's fantasy portion of the program. Coming up next. the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Three questions, three minutes. Let's rock and roll here. First question is about Leonard Fournette. Frank and EY, will Leonard Fournette be on any of your fantasy teams this season? Eric, we go to you first. Uh, I feel like that's pretty unlikely where I have him ranked, but um, I feel like people are just higher, going to be higher on him. Is this going to depend? I mean, for in pro leagues, maybe uh, expert leagues, stuff like that. But uh, in, in home leagues and, and leagues where I'm playing with people that um, aren't as sick as I am, um, yeah, they're, they're going to draft him higher because he's Leonard Fournette. He wasn't anything. Pull, pull the Greg there. Probably should turn my mic on here. I'll say probably not. I'm not 
as opposed to it as I was before, but, you know, based on the ranking, RB18, if I could get him at the back end of the third round, fine. But based on his ADP and how much other people like him, I probably won't end up with him. Not completely opposed to it at his current ADP. Question number two is revolving around Derrick Henry. EY, he plays for your Tennessee Titans. Will Derrick Henry have a better year than Marlon Mack? Yes. Frank? That was a very, uh, that was a very quick answer there from Eli I liked it. here. So uh, that's what we wanted. I will say no. I think they are similar players in terms of uh, their style. Marlon Mack might be a little bit more injury prone, but I'll take uh, the similar player in the better offense, which is the Indianapolis Colts, assuming Andrew Luck is healthy. Final question is to you. We start with you, Frank, for this one. The Oakland Raiders drafted Josh Jacobs early on here last uh, in this uh, first round, or in the first round as their pick. In 2018, Marshawn Lynch averaged 10.7 fantasy points per game. Will Josh Jacobs be above or below that number? I think he'll be slightly above that. I think he could be used a little bit more in the past game. He does have some pass catching shop, uh, chops that he showed at Alabama. He hasn't been used as a workhorse before, but I don't think that, that, will, uh, that they will shy away from using him in that way in the future. They did use a first-round uh, pick on him, so I will say he will be over that. EY, over under 10.7 fantasy points per game. Oh, geez, I'm going to say over. Both of you go over on Marshall and Lynch today. EY, we appreciate the time as always. Tomorrow, we'll open up with Royce Freeman versus Philip Lindsay and the conversation. Thanks for the time, bud. Thanks, guys. All right, hour number two. It's the BFF Action Hour. It's here. It's live. It's next. Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super. 